0: Our second lesson is 1 Peter, all 25 verses of this first chapter. This is a longer reading than usual, but there's really not a good place to stop in this introductory part of the epistle as Peter is writing Christians that we'll learn in today's meditation uh, need this word of uh, reminder and hope and encouragement. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, then live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God, Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You've been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Amen. This letter, this epistle of Peter was written to a very particular group of Christians at a very particular time in their life and witness. Uh, Peter wrote this letter during the horrific hatred and persecution of Christians that took place under the Roman Emperor Nero. He wrote to encourage his brothers and sisters in Christ, primarily scattered in northern Asia Minor, who were undergoing severe persecution, uh, being arrested, separating parents from children, children from parents, uh, Christians being placed behind bars and tortured, Christians being executed by the thousands. Long before cowards in our more recent history here in these United States, cowards in white robes, calling themselves the KKK, set crosses on fire to intimidate people. Uh, Nero had Christians crucified, and often, while they were still alive, he had them set on fire, burning around the city to demonstrate uh, Rome's power and Rome's hatred for people who live in the power of the gospel and the love of Jesus. Uh, these Christians were singular, not just because of this severe hatred, but because of who they had been. Uh, most of the first believers were people who had been long awaiting the Savior promise to the house and lineage of David. Uh, people who gathered in synagogue and went to temple worship and knew the promise of Messiah, the Anointed One, awaiting the Savior. Most of the first Christians were Jewish converts, but then the gospel spread to the Gentiles, these Christians to whom Peter is writing, most of them had once comfortably uh, worshipped the pantheon of Roman gods, and it would have been really easy for them to simply abandon their newfound Christian faith and simply say, Hail Caesar! I mean, that was an offer made to many Christians. Just renounce Christ and say, Hail Caesar, we'll set you free. It would have been easy to go back to their old ways. They could have avoided all the exile, the hardship, the arrests, the torture, the imprisonment, the crucifixion, the burning. But they did not. These are your spiritual ancestors. These are the heroes and heroines of your ancestry in Christ. These are your people they were obedient, especially in these horrific, difficult times. And so as we begin this second meditation on obedience, we need to remember a very important lesson. Obedience, following Jesus when life is good and things are joyful and the sun is shining, is one thing. Obedience in difficult times is another. And if we are only obedient to the mind of Christ when things are rather easy, and then abandon the faith or turn away from God when things are difficult and disappointing, is it really obedience at all? And this is very important. This is so essential to understanding the call to discipleship and obedience. Before before Peter speaks to and starts describing our obedience as Christian people, He reminds us of what was done for us prior to our knowing God, loving God, or even having an idea of serving God. He reminds us of everything through obedience that Christ has done for us already. It's only because of God's grace. It's only because of the grace of God shown in the obedience of Christ who could have avoided the cross but did not. It's only by God's grace through the gift and power of the Holy Spirit that we know Jesus and have this hope and can live in faith and obedience By God's mercy, you've been born in you. By God's mercy, you received an inheritance that can't be taken away. This is not a reward. It is a gift. By God's mercy, you're guarded by His power. By God's mercy, you have been brought to faith more precious than gold and silver. So anything and everything we do is simply a loving grateful response to who God is and what He's first done, prepare your minds for action. You see, some people think faith is just a matter of what I think, what I believe. But faith is not dormant and it's not a matter of opinion. What we hold in our heads to be true results in how we live and what we do in action. Peter does not say prepare your minds for great thoughts and profound theological reflection. Prepare your mind for action. We see this in one of the most familiar passages of scripture, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love was on God's mind. And giving his son, his boy, Dying die on a cross was the action. So you see, we begin with God's grace. And only then can we move into our faithful response. Discipline yourselves, says Peter. In other words, don't wait for someone else to correct you. Be self-disciplined. Because if you only do what's right when someone forces you or is watching you, then you're apt to do wrong when you're alone and no one else is around. True Christian discipline is not behavior based on fear or the presence of others, but knowing in the mind what is right, what is good, what is necessary, and what is pleasing to God, and then doing it. Even if it costs you, like it costs those Gentile Christians. We set our hope on grace. We don't set our hope on reward. Reward would be, well, I'll be obedient and, you know, I'll try to do enough good things that outweigh the bad things so that when I stand before the Almighty and, you know, all the goods put on one side of the scale and the evil on the other, you know, with a little luck, maybe the scales will tip to the, the good side and maybe I'll get to go to heaven. That's, that's not the gospel This is not a prize. This is not a reward. Grace is different. We start with God's grace who holds nothing back. We talk about offerings. He gives us His very best. Jesus gives us His all. You see, our self-discipline is based on God's goodness, not our own. Last week I was visiting with a member of the congregation who wasn't concerned about the length of my hair, but about the signs of the times, saying that, He thinks the world's coming to an end. Not going to last long. It could be before Christmas, Pastor Bruce. Look at the world. Look at the news lack of common human decency, the number of violent crimes, the number of murders in our city. And I said, You really think the world's going to end before the end of this year? Yeah, I think so. I said, Then maybe you should just give all your retirement funds to the church. (laughs) Well, I think I might hold on to those. But I understand how he feels. I mean, the world's changed so much. This city has changed so much just in my short 21 years here. But we have a hope that is based not on the signs of the time and the headlines, but on God's grace. Think of your Gentile Christian ancestors in the faith. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your great, 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 great grandparents in the faith. They were being arrested they were having their property seized, they were imprisoned, they were being slaughtered. wonder what they thought of the signs of the times, but they set their hope on God. And they chose to be holy in conduct, not just belief, but in witness. Now that word holy literally means set apart. In holy baptism, you are set apart, marked with the cross of Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit to be light in a world of darkness. Holy means that we don't follow the instincts of the herd. Holy means we make decisions not based on popularity or peer pressure, but the truth of God's grace and power and mercy. And this may make some of you uncomfortable, and I apologize, but I think it's part of my duty. More and more these days, especially for a lot of the young men in our congregation. And I know it's not limited to young men. But a simple measure of being set apart and holiness and conduct is what you do when you're alone on your desktops and your laptops and your handheld devices. If you are going to websites when you're alone that you would never visit, if your wife or your husband or your parents or your children were there in the room watching you, then maybe God's convicting you right now. And emails and text messages. Would you be comfortable if your family and friends could see everything that you've written? If not, then you need to ask yourself, Am I being holy in conduct? And that temptation is there for all of us. We're called to righteousness. We're called to holiness and conduct. And we are called to love one another deeply. Now, I preached a sermon series not too long ago on love. And you'll remember if you were in worship that this is no sentimental, sugar-coated love. It's not just a love that, you know, is willing to tolerate other people or, you know, be polite, but we are to agape one another deeply. That agape love is what we see in Jesus on the cross. It's a love that is so courageous and so patient and so gracious. It's a love, no pun intended, that hangs in there even in tough times. Love, agape love, loving one another deeply does not mean in the community of your family or the community of the wider family of the body of Christ that we agree with everyone all the time whether we like everything everyone else says and does. You don't like everything every member of your family says and does, so why should it be different in a collection of families when we gather as God's people? But we are called to love one another deeply, uh, to um, bear one another's burdens and suffer together in times of affliction. God doesn't like a lot of what I've said and done through the years. But the amazing thing is, I know he loves a sinner like me. And I have a feeling I'm in good company. I don't know that God likes everything you've done and said, especially when you thought you were doing it in secret. But I know he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. And so we'll continue this meditation on obedience next Saturday and Sunday. Uh, But for now, remembering those Gentile Christians who stood firm in faith, even to death, I ask you to pray with me. Lord God, we confess to you all the ways in which we've not been obedient to your word. We confess what you know about us already. For with you, nothing about our lives is hidden. You're well acquainted with us, even those things we try so hard to keep secret. You know us, and yet you love us. And you love us so deeply that you bled and died for us. You went the way of a lonely and agonizing cross for us. So by the power of your death and resurrection, by the gift of your Holy Spirit, create clean hearts within us. Renew a right spirit among us. We deserve to be cast away from your presence, and yet you welcome us home like prodigal sons and daughters, one and all. Help us to want and hunger and to seek those things that you desire for us. Lord, we want to do better. We want to do what is good and holy in your sight, so help us. Only you can help us to become everything we're destined to be and everything that you want us to be as your precious sons and daughters. In all this we ask in the strong name of Jesus, your Son, the Savior. Amen.